0: Well, babe, I want to be in the mood too. It's not my fault. It's just not working right now. So how are some ways that we can possibly communicate that with them? And then besides just the communicating with them, I think the other thing was, how do we deal with it? Ooh, now you are in for a treat. This highly anticipated episode that was a listener submitted question. We are going to talk about all things menopause, how it affects our marriage, how do we fix it, how do we deal with it, all the questions you want to know we are answering in this episode. And let me tell you, if you are one of those people who want to reach out to me and let me know about a topic that may be near and dear to your heart and you want me to address go ahead and jump into our Facebook group at the Grace-Fueled Wives Club. That's going to be the best way that you can ask questions, let me know. And if I can't answer it myself, obviously I will go and do the work and find an expert guest for you. I'm really excited for this week's episode. Let's jump right in. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty, struggling to connect with your husband? Maybe you're telling yourself you're just sticking it out for the kids and what really keeps you in the marriage is God. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you reconnect in marriage and feel cherished again. Hey, I'm Beatrice, a Jesus-loving wife and mom. I've been married for 15 years, but for the past 10, I've actually had the affectionate and connected marriage I've always dreamed of. What happened the first five years? Well, I was busy telling my husband all the things he was doing wrong, like how he needed Jesus and he needed to make me happy. We tried marriage counseling, small groups, all the things we were told that would make our marriage better nothing worked and we separated. How did I turn it around? Well, that's what you'll learn in this podcast. Proven skills to communicate better, create more intimacy, and be a grace-fueled wife. So if you're ready to finally communicate effectively with your husband so you can stop fighting and be on the same team again, this podcast is for you. Now grab that journal and let's jump right in. Really quick before we start, you know I have to tell you about the Grace Fueled Marriage Method where I teach you my five-step framework to stop fighting with your husband and communicate clearly. We learn to communicate our needs in a way that he actually wants to meet them. Can you imagine? And not only do you get all the lessons that I have in the course, but quite frankly, it's a group coaching program because you get weekly support and group coaching calls with me where I can help you in your individual situation. I can't even tell you the value that this program brings for the price. It is completely amazing. Go ahead and check it out at gracefuelsmarriagemethod.com. That's com. Welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, as you know. And this week, I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Sabrina Salt. She is a naturopathic medical doctor licensed in the state of Arizona. Her clinic, Stem Cell Therapy Professionals, is located in North Scarsdale, The practice specializes in crafting comprehensive and custom-tailored treatment plans for their patients, which include things like diet and lifestyle changes, nutritional supplements, bioidentical hormones, peptide therapies, and of course, regenerative (laughs) injections like stem cells and PRP in her free time, Dr. Salt enjoys reading, traveling, and spending time with her husband and two, almost three children. Welcome,
1: Dr. Salt. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to help your audience learn about hormones. Yes, yes. So as we were chatting, A little bit before
0: the break, the purpose of me bringing such an esteemed expert onto this show is because a lot of my audience is in the middle age range where either she is in the midst of menopause or maybe she's starting menopause. And I find a lot of them are having, they're coming up on issues, whether it be hormonal, things like this. And this can always cause issues in the marriage. Now, before we get into all that good stuff, why don't you tell us a little bit cuz I just read your bio which is awesome but you know let the listener know who you are tell us a little bit about you and why you do what you do and
1: all the all the good stuff let us know. Oh gosh. Well, we can <laughs> where could we start? So uh, like you said, I'm Sabrina. I uh, go by Dr. Souls if you want to get formal. And my practice is currently located in Scottsdale. And like you said, we are expecting baby number three. I am uh, 28 yeah. weeks pregnant as of the time of recording this. Um, so yes, we're very excited to be growing our family. And I started getting interested into hormones. Uh, it was about 2013 and I had completely destroyed my metabolism doing Mm back-to-back fitness competitions. And what that did was it, well, destroyed my metabolism, destroyed my hormone production. So I kind of had no choice at that point being uh, in the medical field to be like, well, how can I figure this out? So that kind of sent me down the path of all things hormone related, uh, ended up building up a practice that serves a lot of people who are also going through various challenges with, with their hormones. Of course, menopause in women, andropause in men, definitely a thing Men go through their own version. And then of course, even young women who are going through hormonal difficulties due to things like being on birth control for many years, um, other issues, like how I dealt with, which was destroying my metabolism through overexercise. And, you know, we just be able to serve so many women with that angle of bringing them back into their bodies and really healing them holistically using hormones. Wow. Thank you so much for that. I'm actually really glad that I asked that
0: because I think within that, that you just gave, means that you can speak to so many other women listening. So not just maybe a woman going through menopause, but there's women who have, like you said, destroyed their metabolism. Sometimes it's through diet. So they're suffering from hormone imbalance. Any crash diet. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. I know for a while I was trying, my personally trying to figure out like what's going on with with my weight. Is it hormone imbalance? Like, what is it? It turned out it was insulin resistance, which is you know different than the hormones. But it took a lot of digging, and I just there's so um, there's a lot of information out there, but usually not a lot. That it's hard. I think it takes a lot of research on our part as women to get down to the nitty gritty of what is actually causing the issue? Like what is causing these things?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is the problem, right? We are in this world where there is endless information at our fingertips. So there's a lot that can go into the information that we see out there. And everybody wants to talk about hormones and health from their own perspective. And where it becomes difficult is figuring out, well, what does this mean for me? How can I apply this to my life to get the results that i'm looking for and that's where it can be tricky because we can co-input all this information with the best intentions but unless we usually have a provider who is skilled in this looking at it and kind of analyzing it as a neutral third party it can be super hard to actually target what we need to exactly Now,
0: when I started to talk to you about menopause and how menopause specifically can have an adverse reaction on marriage, I'm thinking of people who have reached out to me. They've asked me this specific question, which was one of the reasons why I brought you on, which means side note listeners, if you're not already in our community, then that is the way to get your questions answered. Go ahead and join our Facebook community. And that is a way that you can get If you have specific questions, get them answered because if I can't answer them myself, I will bring on an expert just like Dr. Salt here to go ahead and answer that question. What this listener was really wanting to figure out was how does she deal with her hormones? How does she deal with the fact that like libido changed? I mean, there's all kinds of things that changes that as a result are causing issues in her marriage. And she really, she means well, and they have generally a good marriage and all these things, but there's this hormonal thing that maybe she feels like she can't control. What does she do? What are some of the things that you would say?
1: It's such a good question. And there's a few different ways that we can approach this, but the way that I really like to kind of start this conversation is by talking about, well, what's actually happening? Like what is happening to a woman when she's going through these changes, when that libido is going down, when these hormones are losing their function. And then of course there's what we can do to tweak it. So menopause basically is the start of the end of our ability to be fertile. What happens is is our ovaries are done releasing eggs. And with that, it means that their production and their function is gone. And the ovaries are what are responsible for creating majority of our female hormones, like our estrogen, our progesterone, and even to some degree, our testosterone. And these are all really important hormones for various reasons. They all work together in this beautiful symphony to make us happy, healthy. Um, and then the other H word will say horny. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what is really interesting here is that there are things that we can do to tweak this. And ultimately... We can hack this stuff really, really nicely. Now, the majority of the time I do love doing just straight up hormone replacement therapy for women, which is giving them back the hormones that they are no longer producing. So giving them the estrogen, giving them the progesterone, giving them the testosterone, but I know it's not always accessible to every single person. So there's other things that we can do as well. Diet plays a really big role in it. A lot of the times we can see negative implications downstream on hormones. If we're doing things like consuming too much sugar, consuming too much alcohol, or even consuming food intolerances that might be bothering us. Do you ever talk to your listeners about food tolerances?
0: No, we on our show don't really go into a lot of the physical health part because it's not my space. I'm not an expert and God knows there's tons of podcasts that they can... <laughs> listen to for that but this
1: specifically the reason why i asked was because it it has an effect on marriage oftentimes it absolutely does so there's that hormone component to it and then when we're talking about libido in and of itself well there's three things that have to happen in order for sexual function to happen in a really nice way so one you do need the hormone component okay that's one part of it there's that there's two more you also need adequate blood flow Now, blood flow is something that can slow down when you reach middle age, because a lot of us just, we slow down. So we're not exercising as much. Things like our nitric oxide production goes down, which is actually a molecule that opens up our blood vessels and gets our blood flowing really nicely. And it's actually blood flow to the genitals that causes us to feel aroused. What a lot of women don't know is that female lubrication is actually what we call an ultrafiltrate of blood plasma. So blood will come to the area And then the plasma will come through those membranes and we'll see on our end, the actual lubrication. So blood flow is so important for getting that arousal state. And then the third thing is we actually need adequate nerve conduction. So, well, what does this mean? So we have our nervous system, our central nervous system, and it's divided into two parts. We have our parasympathetic part and our sympathetic part. A lot of us are familiar with this because that that's our fight or flight response. It's our stress response. It's what is supposed to happen when we're faced with, say, fighting off a lion. But most of us in our day-to-day, whether it's working with bosses or maybe they have an unsupportive spouse or children are driving us nuts or neighbors or coworkers, and we're constantly in this stress state. Well, guess what? We actually can't get aroused because we need to be in parasympathetic, which is our rest and digest in order to even get that arousal to begin with. So parasympathetic, rest and digest, we need to be calm. We need to be relaxed. And this is why after maybe a glass of wine, some women feel like, oh, now I can finally get into the mood because they're Mm -hmm. starting to relax. But that's just a crutch. You're not actually relaxing. You're just kind of depressing that central nervous system because alcohol is what we call a central nervous system depressant. So before I go any further, what questions do you have for me? (laughs) I was like, so in layman's terms, (laughs) translation for, so. (laughs) Yes, I know it's a lot. In layman's terms, it's like, libido is complicated, but I think every woman watching this knows just how complex her own libido can be. Because if the wind's not blowing right, if the temperature is not right, if I haven't been fed enough, if I've been too fed, things just might not be working. And I don't say that to sound defeatist. I say that mm-hmm. to just kind of make us aware that it might not necessarily be our fault, but there's a lot of things stacked against us. And these yeah. things do become worse in menopause when that initial hormone production does shut down.
0: So, cause we're not going to sit here and be defeatist and say, well, everything affects my libido. Oh, well, I'm hearing the listener go. Yeah. I know you don't have to tell me that I've got all these problems. So they know, and I think it's really helpful for you to give them that background information because there's two things going on. One, they know it's happening and maybe they don't necessarily have language for it or understand why. But one of the other things I heard is that, oh, my husband thinks I'm making it up because men, Mm -hmm. like they don't understand. So the next two things I want to get into is one how do we communicate this to our husbands in a way to influence some of their understanding to help them to be like, well, babe, I want to be in the mood too. It's not my fault. It's just not working right now. So how are some ways that we can possibly communicate that with them? And then besides just the communicating with them, I think the other thing was, how do we deal with it? How do we combat it besides going for hormone therapy, which is probably the most effective way, but like what's something she can go and do tomorrow?
1: Yes. Oh, such good question. So the communication piece is so important. obviously, because this is your partner, right? You've been together for a long period of time. You obviously value the relationship. You obviously love each other and It's true when they say men are from Mars, women are from Venus. We're just a little bit different in regards to how we compartmentalize and relate to different things. So for a man, he thinks like, oh, this is sex. It's just in this compartment and it should be fine. These other things that you're going through shouldn't really have any play on it. But as women, we're like, no, no, it's all connected. We are this complicated, beautiful spider web of things. So the biggest thing that I found with patients and teaching them about how to have this conversation with their husbands is finding other ways to initiate or maintain intimacy doesn't necessarily have to be about actual sex or intercourse. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe it means cuddling up on the couch. Maybe it means engaging other sexual activities. Maybe it's just making out, like going out to dinner, holding hands, something that makes the man feel like, yes, there still is that care and that compassion, the woman's end and that she's not necessarily her term neglecting his needs or choosing to not want the intimacy. It's simply just something that she's going through and that yes, there can be things that she can do about that. Hopefully that part is helpful. Yeah, to pause there really quick. I think
0: that's really important. And then helping him to understand we're working towards the same goal and it's not like I'm looking to neglect you, honey. Like let's do something else and let's try these other things. And then being able to articulate maybe some of the next things you're gonna teach us about, which is these are some of the other things that I'm doing to try to counterbalance that and some of the things that you might be able to help me in terms of counterbalancing that. I think that might be something that would help him feel better, but then also help her feel better because I, it sounds like that's what
1: causes the friction. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there for sure. So yes, we could dive right into, okay, what can she go out and do tomorrow or today or whenever she's listening to actually make a measurable increase in this? So I have three suggestions right off the bat. First one is we could actually adjust the diet very slightly. So there's a pathway in the body. It's called the steroidogenic pathway. And this pathway's whole job is to make our sex hormones. So our testosterone, our estrogen, our progesterone, but it also makes other hormones as well too, like um, our DHEA, our cortisol, our prolactin, all that good stuff. So the cool thing about this pathway is that the starting molecule for it is actually cholesterol. I know people are probably thinking, "Wait, cholesterol? I thought cholesterol is bad. We should always want to lower our cholesterol." And that's kind of kind of misguided. We know now, at least over the last few years, that cholesterol is actually—I would even call it—an essential nutrient because we need it to make all of our hormones. All of our hormones come from it. So, what I find usually is that the women that are going through menopause right now we usually younger women, back in the '60s and '70s—and they were in that low fat movement. So a lot of them have a lot of fear surrounding eating more fat in their diet, but increasing that fat is actually what's going to give you cholesterol, which is what's going to feed into that pathway and help your body to make more of these happy hormones. Not only that, your digestion is likely going to improve your hair quality, your skin quality. All of those things are going to be downstream benefits in addition to making more of these hormones naturally. So more yummy fat, add some butter to your cooking tonight, saute some veggies in it, if that's what you're into, eat a nice steak, treat yourself, girl, to some healthy <laughs> fat, avocados, guacamole, whatever you gotta do, but get those cholesterol numbers up in a good way, of course.
0: You are actually speaking my love language with that. I can say also, from somebody who thought I was suffering from hormone imbalance found out that it was insulin resistance My doctor actually prescribed that I go on keto because of the insulin resistance. And my numbers have been great since then. My bad cholesterol is down. My good cholesterol is up. All the bad, the A1C and my resting glucose level, like all of that is down. My mental clarity is so much better. And so I've seen all these amazing benefits and I know some people like they may feel a certain kind of way about it. And I guess it's not for everyone, but for me, I felt well, my doctor prescribed it. And I'm actually going every month and having my blood taken and testing all my levels. And it's been really good for me. And so I can attest to that, ladies, that even with all that, I have also like byproduct bonus started to lose the weight that I couldn't lose for so long by just simply adding fat to my diet and cutting back on all the things I don't want. So now I get to like have steak and eggs and bacon and, and avocados and olive oil and butter and all the good stuff. And I just I have it with veggies now and I'll have it with a salad instead of having i Puerto Rican. So like we eat a lot of rice. And <laughs> so instead of having the rice, I might have it with a salad or instead of having like a whole bowl of rice, I'll have like a small basically like a spoonful but it's been it's made me happy and I've seen so many tangible health benefits on the screen for it Uh, so I just say that as a side note because I can just hear listeners being like oh my god I'm trying to lose all this weight and here she goes telling me to eat more fats what's wrong with her that's not gonna help and so I'm I'm just coming in to support you in that and
1: say I've been trying it and guess what it's been really helping for me as well Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's true. Eating fat doesn't make you fat. It's actually usually carbs that'll do it because they can put you into insulin resistance, which will make you put on weight. Uh, there's a bunch of different mechanisms with that we don't get into the nitty but okay. carbs are to pack on the fat and eating fat. And in fact, most people, like you've experienced with keto, will lose fat. By eating more fat. Now I don't necessarily recommend full pure keto for women who are menopausal because right. the other thing that you want to prioritize with that is making sure you're getting adequate protein. So protein is what's going to actually preserve what we call your lean mass. So all your muscle, this is something that can start to really dramatically decline as you start to get older, especially post-menopause. And this is what we want to prevent. It's a condition called sarcopenia, which basically means you're starting to lose your muscle mass and it's on, it should be a vital sign. Like the amount of muscle you have on your body should be considered just as essential as checking your blood pressure because it's that important. So making sure you're getting adequate protein, plenty of healthy fats. And then, like you said, use carbs sparingly. Use them as a garnish, not necessarily the main thing, but the average amount of protein for most people to be eating is anywhere from 0.5 to one gram per pound of body weight, depending on your goals, right? Right. But that's a really good place for most people to start. And for most women, I say, you know, if you're eating three meals a day, aim for 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal, at least to start. So that can look like if you're on keto, bacon and eggs for breakfast, cook it in some extra butter, add some avocado, it's probably gonna be delicious. You know, maybe for dinner, you have a steak with a side of whatever vegetable you might enjoy. Awesome. You'll notice a really big change in the hormones there for sure.
0: Great. So we love it. So now we have a free pass to add healthy fat, uh, make sure we're getting enough protein, which who doesn't love protein because that can come in all sorts of forms. So we have a free pass for that. What else
1: besides changing the fat, what else do you have? So second suggestion has to do with the muscle mass that I was alluding to, Mm -hmm. which is lift some weights. There is no better return on your hormone investment than doing some squats, ladies. You're not only going to build up that booty all nice and lovely, but that's actually one of the exercises that is best known for increasing your testosterone levels. And you might think, oh, I'm a woman. Maybe I don't need testosterone. It's actually like a secret weapon for women. Not only is it going to increase that libido, it's going to help your body composition as far as making you lose more fat, increase muscle. You're not going to get bulky by any means. It's very difficult to do that, but you're also going to increase your cognitive function. You're going to have more energy, more discipline, more drive, highly worth that. Even if all you did was like 20 to 50 squats throughout your day, you're on a better path than not doing them. Uh, so this is going to be, if you're going to the gym already, and if you're only doing cardio, switch it up, start lifting some weights, start small, of course, do it safely. Work with a trainer for a few sessions if you need to like learn your way around the weight section and what all those machines are looking like. But increasing your muscle mass, is gonna turn on that active tissue. You're gonna get all the benefits that I just listed before. In addition to your body, making more of that testosterone and some other happy hormones too. um, I'm gonna put you in a better mood overall and spice up that libido. And plus you're gonna feel more confident, which hard to put a price on that.
0: I love that. That sounds all good. I'd want to make the note also as we're speaking that I don't want the listener to get the impression that what we're saying is, oh, you want to fix your hormones, diet and exercise and lose weight. Cause that's not what it's about. Right. Cause I already here, all the commentary in the background. So if you want to make, <laughs> address that. And then if you have another tip for us, that
1: would be helpful as well. Totally. And you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because. I feel like that does get brought up a lot. Like, oh, just diet and exercise. And it matters what type, right? There's so many different diets you can do and there's so much different exercise you can do. And they're all to do different things, right? Like I said, cardio is not the best choice for putting on this muscle mass, preserving that muscle mass and getting your hormones balanced. But when we're working towards a specific goal, it's important to do the things that are conducive to achieving that goal. Not to say everybody has to do it, right? If you didn't want to put in this work, the thing that you could do tomorrow is find a doctor in your area that does hormone replacement and just get on those hormones, right? So there's different roads to roam depending on your own individual goals, what you like to do, what you're willing to do. And of course, how much just this, that you want to do this, right? Like if this is really a priority for you, then doing a lot of these things, you know, fortunately or unfortunately needs to be part of your life at this point. So what I'm hearing is mm-hmm. choose your
0: hard because it's such a good line. right? It's either going to be the hard of dealing with the of control hormones and all the, you know, and and the lack of libido and all this other stuff, or it's going to be the hard of switching up your diet and maybe adding in some weight training into your regimen, or for some people just adding extra movement. Maybe you're not working out at all. Right. Or the hard of, going and getting hormone replacement therapy, but whichever, which way you look at it, there's going to be a heart. The only difference is, is that depending on which one you choose, there's going to be different
1: results. Exactly. And it's the whole idea that if nothing changes, nothing changes, you know, you can't passively listen to a podcast and expect that your hormones and your life and your libido are going to be dramatically changed within a day or so, but you do have to put forward the effort. So Yes, not easy. A lot of stuff can be difficult, but the payoffs I think are far worth the effort that you put in.
0: Yeah. Oh, also what I'm hearing is for the woman who's having a hard time like we were talking about before, communicating this to her husband, letting him know, really getting his sympathy, empathy, maybe we don't even want sympathy, but like just a little empathy, sir. Okay, give me something like, for the woman who's having a hard time getting any of that. I think it becomes an easier conversation to say, Hey, babe, I know you might think I'm making it up, but I'm not. So one thing she could do is hey, share this podcast with him. then he'll know he'll hear all the things that the doctor has prescribed but it also will help her to be able to communicate with him in that way like These are some of the things the doctor suggested. I think this is something I can start tomorrow and then really bring him into that conversation so that it really becomes an us thing. Like it's not a you versus me, like your hormones versus my needs. It's like, no, we're a team. So let's talk about it. This has become an issue between us. We don't want it to become an issue between us. So if you're able to support me in this, you know I'm gonna do what I can to be able to change that for you. And I I think that is one of the things like you were talking about that does help to bring intimacy back into the marriage when we can do that together as a team versus as two individuals.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then I think the other part of that conversation too is that he might be going through his own changes Mm -hmm. as well. I've seen men start to lose their hormone production as soon as their early thirties. So if, you know, we're thinking men in their late thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, And up, he also might be going through some stuff. He might be dealing with some form of erectile dysfunction, low confidence, low energy across the board. So this could be a really great conversation for you guys to just open up together and see it. Maybe it's not just about one or the other. Maybe it's about how can we actually just change our lifestyle as a couple to incorporate these really healthy habits that are going to serve both of us better long-term. Wow. That's, that's a really good point. I love that. I love
0: that point. Uh, before we wrap, is there anything, yeah. any last uh, notes or anything maybe that you didn't get to touch on that you would like to let the audience know?
1: Oh, I did have one more tip of things Please. they can, oh, they can yeah. start tomorrow. I, I thought we were done with this. Oh. Go ahead, give it to us. <laughs> I, I was saving the quote unquote best for last. Yes, And you know, this might sound like it's coming out of a magazine or something, but find ways to make it fun, right? So something you might look forward to. Um, if you are a couple that is into experimenting with toys or lotions or massages or different positions. Get something fun involved, something that you would look forward to, to make this more uh, front of your mind. Uh, The other thing that I've had women do in the past, uh, especially if they've become from a long track of not having any sort of sexual desire or intimacy with their partners, we're talking people who have gone months without anything happening or even years. I've experienced this with my patients. Sometimes reading adult novels or erotica novels is enough to actually activate the part of the brain that gets you thinking in that mindset that, Hey, this is something that is safe and fun and something that I would really like to enjoy doing with my partner. And sometimes that can be enough to flip that switch. So if you know, you know, this is maybe a night that your partner might be interested in, maybe you say, okay, give me 15 minutes, let me read this this bit of this novel, and then you're ready to go. It's a really easy hack that I've found super effective for a lot of women my work now
0: my particular audience might feel a certain kind of way about reading the novel so relax it's okay if you don't want to read the novel guys another thing um, along those veins there is actually an app called ultimate intimacy and the app i don't know if you've ever heard of this app but it's actually was created by a christian couple who wanted to spice up their marriage uh, without resorting to porn or like anything like that but that recognizing that like hey sex is good is great it's like let's let's have better sex in our marriage and so they created this app where it's almost like a game i learned about it through my marriage and family therapy program where one of my professors was like sometimes i actually just prescribe this app for my patients if they're having a hard time so for Um, I would say that maybe be another suggestion. Again, it's the app is called Ultimate Intimacy, and I do plan on having them on the show one of these days, uh, but that might be something else besides all these other things that might help in this area. If, if maybe um, the couple felt uncomfortable about reading a novel or whatever, fine. Do you, whatever works for you in your marriage and, um all that good stuff. But that does sound like I mean you're saying, you know, all the good things, right? These are things you're right that you can do today. You can start today right now after you, this episode is ended, you can go ahead and make some immediate changes. Anything
1: else before we go? I actually or- just want to say that yeah, I want to say I agree with you on the born stance. I don't that is actually a tool that is conducive to creating intimacy within your partnership, mm-hmm. and I actually think that it can drive distance as well as cause its own whole set of sexual dysfunction in either partner, both men and women. So, um, I think that there's you know safe things that you can do to spice things up, engage your mental faculties, and get excited about the libido stuff. But yeah, I, I'm with you, I don't think that porn is ideal for most people, yeah thank you for that because i think
0: it it does help the listener to know like w- relax we're not you know prescribing something that they might feel totally against it's what we're talking about is there's other things that we can do that are not porn there's other things that we can do that let's face it that that do help in this area and i appreciate you bringing up those things because i mean we're human right and so it just means that we're functioning properly when we do get aroused by certain things and I think that's part of the shame maybe that one might feel in this area feeling like well what is wrong with me like what's wrong with me because I'm not able to be aroused and I'm not able to want to be with my partner and so to that I would say it's okay it's a normal part of life this season and this time of the hormones that you might be going through and as sabrina had talked to us about like there are things that you can do to change it so thank you so much for all the great tips and everything that you have given us now tell my audience if they are listening and i need to know more i want to know all
1: about her where do they find you how can they reach out to you yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram as far as social media goes. You can just find me uh, at Dr. Salt, D R S O L T, on there. Uh, on there, I have a, a link in my bio that links to everything else. It's got my YouTube channel, my website, everything you need to know. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning, I do own a clinic that is located in Scottsdale, Arizona. I do have other practitioners in there. I am currently not seeing any new patients just because I am technically on my maternity leave. Uh, But if you were, if you did happen to be locals of the area and wanted to work with us and get kind of our eyes on your hormone case and do all that good stuff, we are more than happy to accept new patients at this time. Um, We also do have options for people who are out of state too. You can just always uh, inquire with us as well. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Soul. I appreciate it. Love having you on the show. Appreciate the time and the immense value that you've given to our audience. And as always, guys, I will see you next week. Hey love, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found any value in it, any teaching, any transformation, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Click the link, go ahead and share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on Instagram, tag me at the Grace Fields wife, any of those things, or maybe even write a review. All those things are really the best way that you can thank me and it helps the show to get found by other amazing women just like you. I love you and I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of The Grace Fueled Wife.